0: everyone and welcome back to the Utah Film Pod. My name is Josh Terry. I will be your host and I am joined by Mark LaRocco. Mark, welcome back to the Utah Film Pod.
1: Thank you. Always thrilled to be here. Yes, and I, I am
0: thrilled to have you and well, thrilled and grateful. I think I'm grateful to have you here because this, this is going to be, I'm really interested to see how this episode turns out. This one's going to be very, very interesting because we've got a pretty big movie to talk about which I think is going to yield a pretty dynamic discussion and then we're going to do another movie draft and if you if you already know what movie we're going to be talking about you probably know where we're going to go with the draft the draft itself is going to be really interesting for reasons I had not thought of until I started doing the research so how's it going before we dig into this. Uh, yeah. I, mean, well, I I need to check, Mark, I need to check in on your well-being.
1: My, my well-being is, is doing well. I'm just, you know, we're, we're, we're doing lots of fun stuff in the summer. We're traveling. We're taking the kids down to Moab this weekend. That's right. Um, I'm kind of jealous of that. Yeah. We, we had, we'd just been out. We've been having a great summer. We went to a bees game last week. Apparently, we saw the longest home run ever recorded by the new StatCast home run recording system that started in 2015. Yes, wow. a minor leaguer hit the long, longer than any major league home run since 2015.
0: Oh, so, so longest, longest. Not just like yeah. longest at the ballpark in Salt Lake.
1: Yeah, that's what they said. If, there's articles about it. If you go on like KSL and stuff, it's a oh, guy named wow. Joe Adele. It's a 512 or 514 foot home run. And, and, and we it, saw it. And we saw it live. And it was a great one too. It was a game tying home run in the eighth inning a cool. three-run homer. Unfortunately, the the Bees gave up one run in the ninth and couldn't close it out. So they lost mm. 12 to 11, which I was thinking, imagine scoring 11 runs and losing a baseball game. But that's what happened. Yeah.
0: I think that's got to be pretty rare. Pretty
1: right? rare, yeah. So I mean, I am I am not a
0: die-hard baseball fan, but I know enough about baseball to know that 12-11 is not, not a normal a baseball score.
1: Normal baseball. Spa- yeah, right, yeah. right. No, I I'm um, not either. That's the first Bees game I've been to in about five years, probably four or five years, but it was, it was quite fun.
0: Now you've, you've been to Moab before, right? Yeah.
1: But my family hasn't. Okay. Yeah. The kids haven't gone. I used to go almost every year do, you know, mountain biking and river rafting and uh, mountaineering, you know, climbing. So we're going to just, we're going to do some hikes. We're going to go to Canyonlands and take the kids on some of the hikes, look at some arches, um, make sure we got a hotel with free breakfast and a pool. So we're good to go. There
0: you go. So you do an island in the sky or are you going to do the Needles District?
1: Probably island in the sky. It's a little bit closer yeah. to Moab. But we'll see. I mean, we're right, we're going to be right. there two full days. We have three nights and two yeah. days. So, cool. Yeah. Well,
0: I'm excited to hear the results of that trip. Yes. I, will, I will live vicariously through you in the meantime. <laughs> um, okay. So you ready to get into this?
2: Yeah. Let's roll. So...
0: So like I said, I think, uh, I think if you're listening and if you've been listening to us, you probably know what movie we're getting to because all the buzz right now is about Indiana Jones, Dial of Destiny. And believe it or not, we actually saw this, what, like almost two weeks ago now?
1: Yeah. I think it was. It's
0: been a little while. So yeah. So we saw it and yeah. Um, <laughs> how about I set it up first and then we can, we can begin. Yeah, go ahead. Um, uh, so, Dial of Destiny, fifth Indiana Jones movie. Um, it basically revolves around a pretty simple plot, I guess you could say, where where Indiana Jones, now you know, seventies pushing eighty, um, with or without his goddaughter Helena, which is kind of I don't know part of the complication. Uh, they are chasing this ancient artifact that uh, was made by Archimedes, uh, the Greek. Was he a philosopher or was he a mathematician, I guess? I don't,
1: you know, I, I've studied like the pre-Socratic philosophers and, and I minored in it and I never even remember hearing his name in philosophy classes. So I think he was more known really? as a mathematician. But, oh, okay. okay. Yeah.
0: I had no idea that you studied the philosophers. That's a, I did. I, that, I minored, that explains a lot. I
1: minored in philosophy and I remember a little <laughs> bit of it, but yeah.
0: Okay, okay. But uh, but Archimedes was not on the list, apparently. And so, yeah, so anyway, so so Archimedes made this, uh, you know, this dial that uh, supposedly when it's lined up the right way, it can open or locate fissures in time. And so the idea of time travel is now in, in play. So Indiana, his goddaughter Helena, and this uh, well-past World War II Nazi... Uh, names. Z- I think Zoller was his mm-hmm. character name. Uh, Yer- Mads Mikkelsen. Yeah,
1: Jurgen Zoller or something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: So, so they are all after the dial. Uh, the Nazi guy basically wants to get it so he can go back in time and make sure that the Nazis win World War II. Um, and Helena and Indy have different motives, mm-hmm. but that's what it's really about. I mean, this 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 movie is really effectively just kind of a chase to find the dial. And then, you know, use it or not use it accordingly.
2: Yeah. yeah.
0: Um, but there's more to it than that. Um, in fact, the entire, what would you say, like the first 20 minutes or so of the movie is really just kind of a flashback that sets up the dial itself that uh, takes place uh, just towards the end of World War II.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, and we see a de-aged Harrison Ford uh, taking on a bunch of Nazis on a train, or at least it's his stunt double and his CGI face taking on a bunch of Nazis it, on a train. Yes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, and this is this is where we're first introduced to the dial, uh, and that's like I said, that's like late World War II, so it's probably like you know nineteen forty five. Yeah, it's, for,
1: it's forty four is when it happened. Was it forty four yeah. when they
0: said? Yeah. And then uh, then we jump ahead to nineteen sixty nine, and that is where uh, most of the two and a half hour runtime uh film takes place. Yeah. So so at this point, Professor Jones is he is relocated to New York. He is unappreciated. No one is writing I love you on their on their eyelids mm-hmm. in his classes anymore. Uh, but his goddaughter, she shows up in class and seems to know a whole lot more about uh the subject than any of the other students. And she tries to persuade him to go after this well, I'm not sure if she's trying to persuade him to go after it, or if she's just trying to find it through him. Mm-hmm. And uh, and that, that just kind of... So, so she contacts him. That starts the process of tracking it down, because he still has a piece of it. Um, tracking,
1: like, the rest of it down? Yeah, yeah,
0: right, right. Because it's been broken in pieces, and so you have to assemble it. Um, and then hot on her heels are the Mads Mikkelsen character and the the bad guys who are somehow kind of in league with the CIA, I got mm-hmm. the impression of, or somehow connected to the government. Um, I'm not entirely clear on everything that was going on with this, but that pretty much launches the chase. And so they start kind of country hopping and uh, you know trying to find the other pieces, track down the rest of the dial and go from there. So at this point, I'm just going to turn it over, Mark, and I'm going to say it's been two weeks. We We talked about it after we saw it. Yeah. Have have, you, do you feel differently? Has has your feelings been enhanced, changed?
1: Explain. So I think I, well, I'm not that I think I do feel more positive on it than when I saw it. I I had some complaints that have, in the time, I guess the two weeks since I've seen it, become less important or critical to me. And I've enjoyed and kind of thought fondly about the more, uh, interesting or exciting aspects of it um and it's funny i've had people ask me as i've 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 talked to people and said that i've seen the movie already you know everyone's always like how do you see it already i'm like yeah i go get to go to the critic screening with josh and it's a lot of fun and (laughs) normally it's not two and a half weeks before the movie comes out might be like a week but still it's nice because it's it comes out on i think officially june 30th um yeah anyway and then and then really it's well how is it compared to the other ones I mean, bottom line is, it's just not as good as the first three, I would say. Um, maybe it's close to the second one, but that second one has, it was, I, just seeing it when I was little, and, and I know it's it's super violent, super dark, and even Spielberg has kind of discounted the movie a little bit, other than saying that the best thing that came out of it was his wife. Um, but like, it's definitely better than the fourth one. But then, having said that, and and when you say like this is, say, the fourth best movie out of a set of five movies, people automatically assume it's bad, and i don't I don't mean that. Like I don't even intend to mean that if I'm trying to describe how much I like this movie. And maybe it's because mm-hmm. I kind of like all the Indiana Jones movies. There's none that I hate, you know, or or dislike. And maybe I guess the most disliked one would be the fourth one. But the way this movie starts, and you kind of described it a little bit, is it's a scene in nineteen forty four where um, Indiana Jones and he has a colleague named Basil and they're trying to recover artifacts stolen by the Nazis who famously stole a lot of priceless works of art for Hitler's collection or whatever and some of them Mm. have never been fully recovered and of course we know that Indiana Jones Mr. It Belongs in a Museum you know always has the best of intentions in trying to recover these artifacts and it seems like everyone else around him doesn't have his intentions Um, Yeah but they come across Archimedes dial, which is the dial of destiny from the title. And as you stated, it can, it can create or locate, however you want to word it, fissures in time. And um, that scene I thought was really well done. It's a great opening scene. I mean, it jumps right into it. And I have to say too, that the de-aging of Harrison Ford and his face, it's not perfect, but it's the best I've seen so far in a movie especially for that extended of a sequence it's not just like a minute and a half with his face half covered by shadows i mean it's like lots of close-ups lots of him talking fighting running jumping across a train and um this is a guy who's now 80 and this was taking place in 1944 which is only a few years after the first three movies Um, um and uh i thought they did a great job with it better than the irishman you know, I mean, the De Niro, it was <laughs> yeah. just so obvious it was not the De Niro of the 60s, you know, the 70s, I guess. And then the um, uh, this the Luke Skywalker scene in The Mandalorian, yeah, that one just looked bad. And it kind of, I, I just wish they would have done something different. Maybe show him from the back or whatever, you know, who knows. Right. Um, and I never saw the Will Smith movie, but it looked, even from the trailer, you could tell. Oh, they're trying to make it look like a young Will Smith. Okay, I see what they did there. But I haven't seen that one. I think it's Gemini, Gemini Man or something.
0: Gemini Man, yeah. Yeah,
1: I thought this was pretty good. And then even the de-aging aside, it was an awesome action scene. Like, it really was great. And it didn't, the rest of the movie just didn't quite hold up on, on in the sense no. of that first scene, that 25-minute, <laughs> no. you know, sequence. Um, and as you stated, there's, uh, who is it? Phoebe Waller-Bridge, she plays the goddaughter and just conveniently shows up to kind of jumpstart the plot and then tie in the 1944 scenes with the 1969 scenes, which also have this weird kind of connection with the moon landing in in July Mm -hmm. of 1969, um, where, uh, you know, I guess former Nazis were recruited by the U.S. to help the U.S. win the space race you know, against the USSR. And one of them is right. this Jürgen, uh, What I can't remember what you said his name was, but still a Nazi. Yeah. And um, yeah. we, we, we continually get to hear about um, Indy's hatred for Nazis. Uh, I mean, it happens a lot in this movie. I think, I think he uses the word Nazi about 40 times in this movie. Um, but he's also a very sad, depressed Indy, you know, and yep. I, because of what ha- what's happening with, with Marion and, He's, and, and you see his age, too. I mean, there's a scene of him in, like, boxers being that, like, angry old man, turn off your music, you know, next door. Right. And and they really play it up. It's not one of these things where they're like, well, we're trying to make this action movie with this guy that was a real big action star 30 or 40 years ago, and we have to hide a lot of it. No, they, like, lean into his age. There's a lot of jokes about it. There's, you know, sometimes he's, like, the slowest guy in a certain scene or you know, there's a lot that where where he kind of makes a joke about how old he is, um, but then there's the scenes. It's like they really show it. You know, when he's standing there as mm-hmm. boxers and all angry and gruff, and 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 he and he's always been kind of a. Uh, I don't know. There's something even sort of curmudgeonly about even young Harrison Ford in some ways. You know, like, sort of... Right. That's just how he's come across. I, yeah. I mean, you look at even American Graffiti, somehow he looks like he's in his late 20s or thirty. I, I don't know, you know. Well, like, I think he is. Maybe he was. Yeah, you're right. You know, in Star Wars, he was, what, 15 years older than, than uh, Carrie Fisher or something like that. But, um, yeah, so... But I think I, I and people about and so I do recommend it. Like for me, it's it's more on the on the edge of recommending to see it. And people say, oh, "Should I go see it in the theater?" And I'm like, "Yeah, I, I think you should. Like, I think it's um it's worth seeing in the theater, and it's a it's a fun experience. And the whole and maybe when we get into spoilers, we can talk about the suspend your disbelief thing. Probably is just too far, mm-hmm. you know. It's yeah. like okay, you know. And I think you and I were even both sort of. I don't know if we're rolling our eyes is the right term, but, you know, it gets to a certain part where we're just like, okay, they went there, they did it, you know. Right, right. <laughs> but, um, I don't know, what were some of your other thoughts? I think, I, I mean, I would
0: echo what you said about the beginning sequence, for sure. Um, it's it's not
1: perfect. It's not when, perfect. When
0: indie, when indie talks, there's a little bit of
1: things a little bit off, uncanny valleyness in there a little yeah. bit, but it's not like distracting. But,
0: well, and not nearly as much as some of the other ones you described. Yeah, and I think I think that is one of the things that they can really point to as an achievement is that you know it's still not there, and it's mm-hmm. still not something I really want to see all the time, but. They're making progress, and and it was a it was a fun sequence. It was a great, you know, way, great way to kick off the movie. And yeah, in a lot of ways, you kind of wish that was the movie we had seen instead of what comes afterwards, because it was good. And it, it you know it yeah. felt it felt like, you know, a lot more like the kind of the true Indiana Jones adventures. Um, well, so so to your point about the his the them playing into his age, mm-hmm. I remember. I remember when Crystal Skull came out. I remember I was really worried that they were just going to kind of make him a big joke and that oh okay well Harrison Ford's a lot older now and so I didn't want them to make the movie just all about how old Indiana Jones is now and mm-hmm. and I, and what that was one of the things I was pleasantly surprised about was that they didn't. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean he was definitely not peak indie, but I didn't feel like they they were trying to they they weren't preoccupied with that yeah certainly not the way they are with this movie and and that's one of the things i didn't like about this movie is how you know why why do we want to see a an indiana jones like this mm-hmm. you know yeah it's, i mean it's, with all due respect to harrison ford i mean yes he is in great shape for the met for being 80 years old but but this is so this this is the thing that springs to mind you think about that scene on the freighter. At the uh, towards the end of Raiders of the Lost Ark, and you know they've they've gone through all of that craziness to dig up the ark, and he did the you know he chased down the truck and all that stuff, and he's just he's just beat to crap, and he and Marion are on the freighter, and that's where he gives that classic line, you know it's not the years, honey, it's the mileage, Mm -hmm. and this is already a forty year old give or take (laughs) Indiana Jones, right, and he's already not a superhero and he's already just barely getting the job done. And that's one of the things that's so adorable. And so, so wonderful about that character is that he's, he's not Arnold Schwarzenegger. He's not, you know, he's not Rambo. Mm -hmm. And, and so that's the kind of balance between man of action, you know, at his limits, you know, fighting off age. That's, that's Indiana Jones. You know, and and seeing him all ripped in the second movie when he's got that, that machete, you know, and his his shirt is half torn and he's standing there on the bridge, you know, and, like, that's, what a great character. And mm-hmm. then, now we're seeing this this sad sack yeah. that, you know, like I said, nobody in class is even paying attention to him, let alone writing, professing their love on their eyelids. <laughs> and And I'm just kind of tired of seeing... All mild heroes portrayed this way. There's nothing
1: Well, I don't know. I I, it may be one of the reasons why I enjoyed the first 25 minutes more than the rest of the movie, because it felt like, okay, a younger guy should be doing all this stuff, but when he's Mm -hmm. when he's as old as he is later, you feel kind of sorry for him. And it's like, should he be like hanging on to a a rickshaw or, you know, jumping across a chasm or you know, Mm -hmm. like going you know in some of the most dangerous cave exploring you could imagine and like I mean he you feel like he's gonna just like break his hip, you know, just by falling yeah, down. And right. you know, and, and I guess Well I mean the, didn't they actually have to delay the production yeah, because he did get injured. He did get an injury, yeah. Um and in and, and that fourth movie, you know, it took place in the mid fifties and so he definitely was older, but it wasn't like and it's interesting too, because this one takes place in sixty nine. So really the events of mm-hmm. This one are only meant to be about fourteen ish years, years later, yeah, yeah, twelve years or whatever yeah. after the the fourth movie. Um, but it's just quite a difference. I mean, e- even from Last Crusade, we're talking about what is it thirty four years or something like that.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, I mean, it's a long it's a long time. Um, but we should talk about some of the characters and I guess the plot a little bit. You know, you mentioned about the motivations of the Goddaughter of uh helena right right and right. how she and, and they make some little just cheap throwaway jokes about how capitalism is bad or whatever you know she's she's in it for the money um and but she's every bit as fearless and adventurous as indian as you kind of mentioned she's more the one that drags him along for this one because of what she yeah. wants to recover and 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 the story too is her father is is baz is the is the colleague who Right. was with Indy in the opening scene in 1944 um, and has left uh, some clues as to, you know, where the dial is and what it can do. Um, But, you know, she she seems more motivated by these capitalistic, you know, uh, motivations than this preservation minded archaeologist, Indiana Jones. Um, Right. And I think we do get the it belongs in a museum line, if I remember in this in this movie. Um, well,
0: yeah, I I was very confused by this because when, and and I maybe this is just my improper assumptions because when she shows up in the classroom at the beginning of the movie, she's answering all the questions like she's kind of like the perfect teacher's pet, you know, the 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 perfect student that every teacher wants who just knows everything and is really passionate and stuff, and then you know she's trying to get Indy to revisit this this artifact that uh, I think he just I think he actually says at some point you know why do you want to chase down the thing that drove your father mad you know and I kind of got the impression that oh well she's just you know she really wants to go and find the thing because it's she's really loves history and stuff but then it kind of turns out that she's more of kind of a mercenary like she just wants to sell it and and so I'm thinking okay well so is there supposed to be some kind of a character arc here for her because I'm kind of confused about what's Right. What's going on mm-hmm. because she's kind of taking pot shots at him. Like, Oh yeah. I think at one point she calls him a grave robber and, mm-hmm. and, and he's trying to chide her for like, Oh, your father would be so disappointed in what you become. And yeah. And so I, I was really confused by her character in a lot of ways too, because I mean, and this is, this is no spoiler, but I mean, I think that the idea here is that they want to set her up to be, you know, a potentially taking the torch from, from Indiana Jones. Um, which we can, you know, yeah, discuss.
1: Which is a later possibility. On, but, but then um but her the thing I liked though is she had an arc, right? I mean she had her motivations became more I don't know, pure. Did they? I think so. Yeah, I mean you look at what she does, I, I mean there's a certain there's certain things she does where she saves people or saves characters and um where she didn't have to. And so you know, it's not purely just one hundred percent money, uh, like yeah. money based, in my view, anyway. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, I guess we can talk about that. I mean, she also they also introduce a uh, another young male actor. I guess it's similar to Short Round <laughs> in the Temple. Yeah, of he's the
0: he's the short round of he's dialogue, the short round
1: it. Freddie Kumar or no, what's his name? Teddy, Teddy, Teddy Kumar. Yeah. Um, it's a little bit of comic relief, a little bit of, like, what's he doing here kind of feeling, but, you know, yeah. not integral well, he, to the plot.
0: He's, well, he seems to be rather conveniently located for the plot yeah. in certain ways, but that, but that we kind of have to get into the spoilers for. Mm-hmm. So the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull was the first movie that made me think, you know, maybe they should just leave some of these franchises alone. And Dial of Destiny has absolutely confirmed that sentiment. Where, you know, there, there, it it has its merits, absolutely. Like, like we've discussed the, you know, the, uh, the CGI work and the the opening action sequence. You know, there are definitely good bits in here. Mm -hmm. Um, But like with Crystal Skull, I have zero interest in seeing it again. Yeah. And I mean, I, I still haven't seen Crystal Skull a second time. Um I would I would absolutely say that the things that most people didn't like about Crystal Skull have been corrected here. This is this is not kind of a silly CGI mess the way that movie was in, in parts. Um but it has its own problems and I still think they should have just capped things off when they rode off into the sunset at the end of Last Crusade.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I think I one of the reasons I think I was more positive about it is when I was paying attention to the um and, and it's not again, it's not really enjoyable. It's not as fun as I wish it, it could have been, but I thought his acting was really good. And I don't know how some of these guys because I noticed the same thing about Anthony Hopkins as an eighty year old actor and the father. Like I always assume when people are getting up, you know, in up in years that they start And maybe it just happens with people like, um, well, I'll just come out and say it, like dementia, Alzheimer's, right? Like there's age-related illnesses that people get Mm -hmm. when they get into their 80s. That's just common. It's just part of life, It's part of normal human aging. But some people, at least in the sense of their acting prowess, seem to be ageless. And I think Harrison Ford, at least so far, is Mm -hmm. one of those guys because I thought he did a great job in it with the material he was given, I guess. Um, Yeah. And so, you know, it was pretty compelling to just see him on the screen as Indy. And even if, and it should be the last time you're right. I think he's done. I think he's, I think he might've even said something like, I'm not going to fall down for you anymore or something. He has some line that he gave in an interview, like, this is it. Cause he had to be oh, talked yeah. into, even with Crystal School, he didn't want to do that for years. He had to like be given the right script and, and, you know, kind of be convinced to do it cause he didn't really want to. Um, so I don't know, I, I would, I say, you know, give it a shot. If you're not into this movie, into these movies anyway, probably wouldn't plan to go see the fifth of a series with an 80 year old, you know, guy. And yeah. But I think, um, I think it's not bad. And yeah, like I said, I'm, I'm a little bit more positive on it than, than when I walked out, walked out of it. Um, so, yeah. So what is, so what is a little more
0: positive? I mean, so you've already said that you recommend it.
2: Well,
1: so, I mean, I know I'm not like to I brought, go out, of like, a, out of a five star rating, right? For so me, where, it's where like a three, like a three out of five. Yeah. Right. So it's like I'm not enthusiastically recommending it or saying it's one of the best movies of the year. But like it's a it's just a fun two and a half hour should have been two hour escapist entertainment. <laughs> right, right. Right. Right? That was the other complaint. It was just a little bit too long. Um, yeah. I, you could cut 20 minutes out of it and make the same basically the same movie probably. Um, so yeah, I don't know how, how many would how many stars do you give it or would you give it?
0: Um, I mean, if I'm going with my usual four star range, I'm thinking two to two and a half tops, but more like two,
1: two and two is where you say like, don't go see it. Right. That's kind of like, well,
0: that's, this is, this is what's tricky about it is that if you are an Indiana Jones fan, it's going to be really hard to just not see this altogether.
2: Mm
1: hmm
0: but i think that the indiana, i think that the indiana jones fans are the ones who are going to be most disappointed
1: that's true yeah. this
0: is not this is not those movies you, you know, know this is well, that's the, not even close that's the problem not even remotely close right
1: and and it pales in comparison and that's one of the problems with these kind of movies imagine that you walk into this movie as a person who's never heard of those other four and you're like well i'm told this is a, a, about an archaeologist who you know is adventuring and likes to recover artifacts and um, and I haven't seen any of the other movies. And you go see this, you may actually be you kind of like it. Like I don't know. Like you might be like, oh, that was that was kind of cool. I mean, that was kind of weird. And uh, you know, but and you wouldn't get some of the references because he does make jokes about some of the other movies, even Temple of Doom. Um, yeah, right. <laughs> something like you've never had to drink the blood of Mola Ram or whatever. The, the, the blood of Kaili. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean.
0: You know, this is this is what I can say because this isn't going to spoil anything. Okay. I hated I hated the ending.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: I really hated the ending. Let's talk about some good Harrison Ford stuff instead, because we are going to draft the best movies of Mr. Harrison Ford, and I'm just going to go ahead and admit that my list. I, I don't know. I think I think I'm going to lose if we if we if this is a competitive draft. I think I'm gonna lose because, because I think it's your turn to go first. Oh, okay. Well, I don't I think, know. I think I'm I, gonna break I really my heart. I really think
1: I'm gonna pick your your movie, but we'll see. I'm, no, I'm gonna go first. And okay. Um,
0: so, well, okay. So we're gonna do we're gonna do five each. Okay. Then we're gonna talk about some of the ones we we left out.
1: Okay. Go ahead. So I'm I'm picking Raiders of the Lost Ark. You. Is that yours? I thought you were going to yeah. go Star Wars. Okay, I'm sorry. I really thought you were, I thought Star Wars Episode You had four, a big
0: smirk on your face when you did that too. Well,
1: I just thought that Star Wars held such a special place in your heart that you just like, that's your number one. Because the last time uh, we did a draft of Spielberg, I think you got, I think I got Jurassic and you got Raiders, right? Yeah, but you went first, didn't you? I know, but like you, like. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then, and then, but you, but that Star Wars, um, what I'm saying is Star Wars wasn't eligible next. It was Spielberg draft, but yeah. Oh, right, um, right. Okay. So yeah, I guess that's, that would be both of our number one. Yeah. I you mean, win. <laughs> I don't necessarily win. I mean, he has other movies. Um, it's just, this is like, this is just an iconic action film and, uh, kind of the ultimate just yeah. adventure the just extremely well edited action scene scenes. Um, by the way, we didn't mention the new Indiana Jones is not a Spielberg movie. He produced it, but he did not direct it. James Mangold. Yep, another problem. Um, but Raiders is Spielberg. Um, it's a Lucas kind of Spielberg creation. And uh, they even talked about having Tom Selleck. Other people play it. But um once uh, Spielberg saw, well, we'll say Han Solo, he said, why not him? You know, and like, yeah. and I think George Lucas yeah. said, "Well, that's Han solo, and he's like he could play in other movies, he could do other things, you know, and like it was well I think the
0: hesitation that was that they didn't like George Lucas didn't want Harrison Ford to be his de Niro mm-hmm. he didn't he didn't want to do a martin Scorsese Robert de Niro thing, yeah, um, which you know there are worse things in life than to have your own personal Robert have de Niro, your own death <laughs> right, and maybe 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 that's what he figured out, so
1: yeah. Um, but it's just such a good character. I mean, like a whip and a fedora. I mean, you say those two words to anybody who knows anything remotely about movies and they would say Indiana Jones, you know? Right. Um, and this is the movie, I, I think I've told this story before. I saw it when I was way too young and it was PG, but it's a, I would say a hard mm-hmm. PG. Uh, it's got like face melting, snakes crawling through skulls, orbital cavities and, uh, Guy basically gets just chopped up by airplane propellers. I mean, there's a couple of grisly deaths in this movie. Oh, it's a um, it's an intense movie. It's very intense. And I saw it probably I'm I'm trying to guess because I was born in '77. It came out in '81. I never saw it in the theater, but I saw it like on VHS. I think at my grandma's house when I was probably five, five and a half, and I had nightmares of of the uh, in the wall of my childhood bedroom. The skeleton was there with the the snakes crawling in and out of the skulls, and so it was a. It was I was too young. I don't recommend that five year olds see this movie. By the way, Um, but yeah, it's you know it has the magical realism uh, based on. um, Well, I mean, everybody's. We can't really spoil this, right? Has everybody seen *Raiders of the Lost Ark*?
0: I think we're in safe territory
1: now. (laughs) We're what are we? Forty. I mean, well, forty two years.
0: Just to be official, from this point on, any. Any of the Harrison Ford movies we're drafting mm-hmm. is fair game, so yeah. I think
1: you're good. Yeah. Anyway, I we got a lot of draft news. so I'm not going to go a lot into. It. I'll just say it's like one of my favorite movies of all time, and probably the best action movie I've ever seen. So yeah, there we go.
0: Well, and I and I would have taken it first because I think that it is a better showcase of Harrison Ford's acting and performance,
1: mm-hmm.
0: um, partially just because of what I talked about before, in that that scene on the freighter when you know he just really kind of captures that. World weary action hero.
2: Yeah,
0: you know, I mean, and, and another example at the beginning of the movie when he's he's trying to get out of the the tomb or the uh, the idol room, you know, and he has to he has to jump that that uh, bottomless pit, mm-hmm. and you know, doesn't land on his feet. He's he lands a little short, yeah. and he's about to slide into it. And he grabs some vine, you know, and and I think I think that's what makes him relatable and and you know more, you know, you're more fond of him Mm -hmm. and and connect with him more. And, and so, yeah, so, so that one would, would have been my first choice just because I think he had a lot more to do and a lot more to work with in, in that one. Um, but for my second option as my first draft choice, um, I'm going to go with Empire Strikes Back because, Mm. uh, I think that that was the Star Wars movie that gave him the most to do and I think his as good as he was in the first Star Wars um, you know and I almost I almost kind of second guessed my decision right because because the first Star Wars has that Greedo scene which is really a definitive mm-hmm. you know character moment um, Empire Strikes Back has the exchange between Han and Leia when he's about to be frozen in carbonite and she says I love you and he comes back with i know <laughs> you know yeah. it's just these that's just too i mean which he, that's who han solo is and, and harrison ford improvised it from what yeah I that's what i was think, gonna say i think the original line was supposed to be i love you too or something along those lines and that they were just trying it and it didn't work and so he you know
1: yeah they're like what would he say what would han solo say yeah,
0: yeah. and it's perfect that's that's absolutely what han solo would say um, so, yeah, so I will go, I will go with Empire Strikes Back as my first choice because you took Raiders.
1: I guess you just love that movie a lot more than I thought. Have you seen it a lot? Seen Raiders quite a bit or have you? Oh, yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Um. Rewatched it a little while ago.
1: Okay. So there's a great Simpsons parody of the opening scene too, by the way, in Raiders. Um, Okay. I am going to go ahead, and that's a great pick. I mean, look at that two-year stretch. 1981 and 1980 um, with Her- with Harrison Ford so far. I think for my three spot, or, or my, my second pick, I am going to go with The Fugitive because that's also on my all-time top five action movies list and Harrison Ford just sort of embodies action movies, I guess. Um, I thought it was just a thrilling kind of brilliant non-stop chase scene i mean a lot of close calls almost comically close but there's always a reason that he's just a little bit ahead of uh and and this is a story about a man who's wrongfully accused of murdering his wife and then he's being chased Mm -hmm. down by this great federal uh, agent played by tommy lee jones who won the oscar for his portrayal um in that movie which is very surprising for the kind of movie it is it's not really oscar bait in some some ways yeah um, yeah but it's great it's a he won best supporting actor and, and Harrison Ford is the the man he's trying to chase down and and uh, it's good because you kind of end up sort of rooting for both in a way because this guy you know you know he's wrongfully accused so you want him to be exonerated but also oh yeah, they're, they're both good this guys. federal agents doing his job I mean he's trying to chase down a murderer right so it's not like yeah. you're rooting against him and and as the movie goes on <clears throat> you kind of slowly sense he's He's still doing his job but he's like um, you know not fully convinced that the that, that Harrison Ford is well Dr. Kimble's I think guilty um, I think
0: that's why the character is so fun is right. because for one thing I mean the, the, the character I mean I'm talking about the Tommy Lee Jones character mm-hmm. like he's he's a fun personality on his own yeah but then because you like him and because you know that he's a good guy you're You're not cheering for Harrison Ford to get away so much as you're cheering for Tommy Lee Jones to figure out what's going on right so that
1: before he ruins he Harrison Ford's life him. forever, yeah right yeah. well yeah, I
0: mean it's just you know this is this is kind of one of those you know where the audience knows more than the characters in the movie, and you want you like the characters and so you want them to find out what you know so mm-hmm. that they can all you know live happily ever after which is yeah kind of a strange way to describe their you know their relationship but yeah a fugitive is great
1: i fugitive is great it's great it's got so much like apparently that train there's a train uh crash scene that cost a million dollars to make back in 1993 Mm -hmm. um and they really did crash a train it's not cg um, Harrison Ford has to sort of escape part of a train car coming at him, kind of like in Raiders of the Lost Ark, where he's escaping the rolling ball. I don't know yeah. if they do that on purpose, but it's sort of a similar <laughs> yeah. scene. And he, um, and so there's, that's really a kind of a, I guess, a highlight in in some ways of the movie, but there's a lot of, it's just, it's just really well done. Like it, it's another one yeah. of those movies that I, I will revisit again and, haven't actually seen it for a long time, but I remember a lot of it. I yeah, I like that would be a fun one to rewatch. It is. I wanted to just read because well, since we're talking really about Harrison Ford, I wanted to read. This is what Roger Ebert said of of Harrison Ford in that movie. He said Ford is once again the great modern movie everyman, dogged, determined, brave, and not demonst- demonstrative. As an actor, nothing he does seems merely for show, and in the face of this melodramatic material. He deliberately plays down, lays low, gets on with business instead of trying to exploit the drama in meaningless acting flourishes. So I was trying to think of a way to sum up his Ford's acting style, and I feel like it's no nonsense. He doesn't do a lot of flourishes. Like he doesn't do lots of little kind of, I don't know if you want to say unnecessary or extra things, like maybe somebody like Phoenix or DiCaprio sometimes does. Like he really is kind of a, a no-nonsense everyman you know, get on with the business of solving whatever he has to solve in the moment. Um, You know, showing bravery and selflessness and courage and all that. But like, that's how that's how this movie is. And of course, he's trying to save himself too. really like it's not just this movie is like saving his own butt kind of and proving his innocence while also running from the law the entire time. So anyway, I love that movie.
0: Yeah, that's a good one. I'm debating about a few different options here. But I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go with Witness. Oh, is my second one. Okay, Witness is you know kind of a curveball. It's not one of the first movies you think about when you think about Harrison Ford. Um, but it's a really good one. This was a kind of a drama, crime drama from the mid 1980s. Um, Harrison Ford plays a detective who, through a sequence of events, winds up going into hiding with a group of uh, Amish settlers. Because I, I, I assume, I'm trying to remember, it's been a while since I've seen this, but I think, take, I think the movie takes place like in rural Pennsylvania, kind of Amish country, you know, kind of a Midwest. Um, so he's, he's more like a city cop. I can't remember if he's in Philadelphia or where he's from. But uh, basically there's a, there's a murder, and a young Amish boy who is traveling through town at the time witnesses this murder. And so he becomes kind of this endangered witness. And, and so in order to protect him, Harrison Ford takes, you know, goes with the boy and his, his mom, she's got a you know, single mom uh, played by Kelly McGillis, who was, you know, in uh, Top Gun.
2: Oh yeah. And, That's right.
0: Yeah. And they go, they go undercover basically, or go into hiding in this Amish community uh, while the, uh, the bad guys try to track them down. Um, so kind of a cool story, you know, definitely a little bit out of the ordinary for, for Harrison Ford compared to what a lot of people know him for. Um, but unless I'm wrong, I think he actually got nominated for an Oscar for this one. Uh, this one was considered a pretty, pretty heavy hitter performance. And, uh, it is, it is rated R. It's a little more of kind of like the hard boiled, uh, crime, crime drama of the mid 1980s. Mm -hmm. Uh, but uh, but definitely definitely some good work for Mr. Ford. Yeah, so there's he,
1: my number two. I didn't realize that, but he did. I, he got nominated for Best Actor. Um, it was nominated for a bunch of Oscars, kind of like *The Fugitive*, um, but didn't didn't win. But yeah, I have seen that. I've only seen that one time. It was a long time ago. Yeah, um, yeah, eighty-five maybe. Okay, well, you, I I can't believe I'm getting my top three picks. I'm really surprised how this worked out. Because we're already to number. Well, it's because you got to choose first. Well, I know, but like, <laughs> I'm also getting my second and third favorites. I'm very happy about this. But you're going to make fun of me for this one. I don't care. Um, <laughs> this is all fake anyway. Who cares? <laughs> it's not like we get a real <laughs> award, right? Uh, no. Well, I mean, I mean, we should tell <laughs> the audience that
0: after we have these drafts, that we're not allowed to watch any of the movies we didn't get for the rest of our lives. <laughs> That's isn't right. That, isn't wasn't that what we agreed
1: to? <laughs> so this one is. Um, it's Star Wars, but it's probably not the one you're thinking of. It's Episode seven. Uh, I Really? Yeah. You're going to take
0: Force Awakens. Here's why
1: I'm picking Force Awakens. You are welcome to it, sir. <laughs> I know, I know. And here's why. I I just, first of all, this was the first real Star Wars movie we'd gotten in 32 years. Or no, not 32 years, sorry. The first time we'd seen Harrison Ford um, as a Star Wars as Han solo in 32 years, right? Because he wasn't in the prequels. Mm-hmm. And first when the movie started, everybody cheered. It was just like electric, like the atmosphere. But then when Harrison Ford came on the screen, you remember that in the first mm-hmm. half hour or so, it was just like right. a cheer erupted. And it was so it was just alive, like the the screening I went to. And it was an opening, like maybe opening weekend. I don't know if it was opening night, but it was, you know, very early. And and you just, I mean, you know, he's got the gray hair, but other than that, it was him. It was Han Solo, and of course he's with his his good buddy, who nobody can understand except for everyone else in the movies. Um, it was kind of a funny plot device to do that with Chewbacca, who speaks Wookiee. And uh-huh. and then he has a pretty tragic arc, uh, which he apparently requested of the, the filmmakers of Star Wars, you know, J.J. Abrams and such. And so... Um, he's really not in the movie that much. I mean, he's got a few scenes and, and sort of that middle section he's in it, but uh, he doesn't make it. And um, it was a, it was quite a tragic, shocking death. I didn't see it coming, and maybe I should have, but I, I didn't know that was going to happen. And so I, I was glad to go into it spoiler-free. Um, hmm. And But, yeah. I went into it
0: spoiler-free, but I... You still it
1: figured it out? When yeah, standing on the bridge I, trying to talk his son well
0: like, yeah, yeah so i had already heard all of the the stories about how you know Harrison Ford wanted wanted,
2: wanted, wanted to
0: kill kill him off in return of the jedi mm-hmm. and, you know way back then and so so i kind of went into it assuming that they're going to find some way to kill off his character because that's probably the only way he agreed to do it mm-hmm. is if they finally decided to kill him And then, then when they kind of step into that chamber, you know, whatever that room was, where you know we have that extension bridge that they over the the chasm of doom. um,
1: You figured it out, yeah.
0: Yeah, there was there was just a tone shift, Mm -hmm. and you just kind of got a vibe like, yep, this is it. Here we go.
1: And and the weird thing too is you're like, well, I know Kylo Ren's the bad guy, and there's no way they're gonna have Han Solo talk turn him as they like to say he's not going to turn his son or you know yeah convince him to join the good side like halfway through the first of this new trilogy so yeah if you think about it okay something's up or else there was just going to be an escape and they were both going to get out of it somehow and that's it but no it was i mean he just that was cold-blooded he just looked into his eyes and killed our hero um yeah Anyway, but yeah, I, I thought he did he did a good job. I mean, it's funny that even after all these years, he's still like a space smuggler. And the very and the opening scene that you see him in, he's getting sort of hunted down by two rival gangs who both he owes money to well, both of them. And, and I think
0: that's one of the things that, in retrospect, I'm not crazy about.
1: Oh, you didn't um, like that? Because he
0: well, I, and I will be the first to admit it did not bother me at the time. Mm-hmm. I didn't think about it much at the time. I I enjoyed the Force Awakens. So much because it felt like a Star Wars movie again. Yeah, that I didn't really pay attention to some of the things that it's kind of just, a retread uh, of
1: New ho- of New Hope.
0: Yeah, yeah, I I was kind yeah. of in denial there. Yeah, you know, I I think that I understood that. Okay, yeah, we're kind of hitting the same beats. And you know, to be honest, it's really kind of sad that after the great arc that Han Solo goes through from being this me first selfish, selfish yeah. mercenary smuggler in the first movie to dignified, selfless, you know, leader of the of the resistance in Return of the Jedi that 20, 30 years down the road, yeah, no, he's just back smuggling back again. Back
1: smuggling again. Well. And that's,
0: honestly, that's one of the things I really hate, the more I think about it, about how they're treating a lot of these characters is they kind of, they feel this need to kind of kick them down and, and negate the... The progress they've made, you know, because mm-hmm. you could make the same argument about Luke and Last Jedi, and well, you know, and
1: it, I mean, I guess you Indiana could
0: Indiana Jones and Dial of Destiny. I mean, yeah, you, you didn't mention you you mentioned what was you said what was going on with Marion, but you didn't mention that at uh, when when we when we join uh, Harrison when we join Indiana Jones in 1969, he's about to sign his divorce papers. Mm-hmm. So yeah, yeah, I didn't so much mention for that. that happy ending.
1: Yeah, well, I don't I don't know. It's it's interesting because that's how episode. Seven is too right. He he mm-hmm. was with General uh, Princess Leia. They had a kid yep. together. Then they had a falling out. Haven't seen each other in a long time. And they both kind of went different directions. I mean, she becomes a general yeah. of the Resistance. Uh, resistance, and he's sort of off on his own again. Um, mm-hmm. And but then they both have. They're sort of. They kind of come together again through both the Resistance being. Uh, getting back on track, I guess you could say, against the First Order, and then also Kylo, yeah, uh, figuring out what to do about Kylo. What are you going to do with Kylo? What if they turn into just a family (laughs) drama, like took out all the... CGI, <laughs> no, not well. Kinda. That's like all Star Wars band.
0: is, isn't it? It's just a big family drama, isn't it? Ben, I think Ben <laughs> Solo.
1: Ben Solo. Um, there's a funny picture that's going, that was going around at the time. That was like an awkward family photos. Do you remember that? Yeah, I saw that one. <laughs> I did
0: see that one.
2: Yeah.
1: Anyway, so that's okay. my number
2: three Back to the draft.
0: Yeah. That was okay. So that's your number three, man. See, like see, I now, left
1: you open, right? Because you weren't going to pick that one, and uh, no,
0: no, I wasn't. And see, now I'm almost kind of looking at it and thinking, all right. This is, this is kind of tough because I want to have range.
1: Yeah, you don't want to pick right? another Star Wars or indie movie, but there's a lot of good ones.
0: Yeah. Okay, I'm going with American Graffiti.
1: I uh, okay. It's a supporting role. Is it? Yeah, it's he's very only brief. in it for
0: like 10 minutes, yeah, right? Yeah, right. He's not in it for very long. Or less. But this is one of my favorite movies of all time, and honestly, one of the reasons I love it is because Harrison Ford is so awesome in it. He's so funny. He plays... Um, so, so one of the main characters following a group of friends last night of summer 1962 they're all out cruising around in their hot rods and john Milner is one of the main uh, one of the main heroes and he's the fastest guy in town he's got his great you know great uh, 32 deuce coupe and this guy comes in from out of town named bob falfa and he is challenging him for supremacy and bob falfa is played by harrison ford in a big white cowboy hat because he refused to cut his hair for uh for, for to to match the the shorter haircuts of the early 1960s, oh. and he's got a, he's got a skull hanging from the rearview mirror of his 55 Chevy, his wicked 55 Chevy, as they call it. Uh, just a great role, and at one point he's like he's like serenading Ron Howard's girlfriend. Mm-hmm. It's it's great. It's it is not a meaty role, but you definitely see the Harrison Ford. I mean you you definitely see the the roots and he's han solo in embryo is what he is it's it's a 1962 cowboy hot rodder version of han solo okay yeah
1: all right so uh so we have covered we went we just jumped from 2015 to 1973 well it sounds like an indiana jones movie okay so, um, hey, all right, I'm going to go with, uh, I'm going to go with sort of, I'm going to call it my first oddball choice. I don't okay. think that you're going to pick this one, but this is, I think that it may be his best acting performance. And it's okay. a movie that I saw in the theater and just was pretty impressed with It's called the age of Adeline. Um, ah, okay. and this came out 2015 and uh, he's, he doesn't star in it. He's a supporting actor It's starring Blake right. Lively. And it's about this woman who um, basically is something where she's struck by lightning. She, her, she stops aging at age 29. And it's, it seems as, she, as if she's immortal. She's going to live forever but not age. Um, yeah. And so it's hard for her to have a normal life, normal relationships, because she'll just outlive everybody. And in the movie, in fact, she has a daughter Who's much older than she is, because the daughter's aging normally, um, and she ends up meeting a guy and tries not to fall for him. But he invites her to meet his parents um, at a weekend outing at their house, and her his dad is played by Harrison Ford and recognizes her as someone that she used he used to date. They were very close, actually. And she had to lie, she had to get out of it. She has to lie to him and say that that was her mother, but it was actually her. Um, <laughs> so I'm not going to tell you much more than that. I mean, it's already crazy enough. And, it, and I get this movie doesn't work for everybody because it's, it's, it's sort of a, you know, unrealistic, romantic drama. I mean, it's got comedy in it too, mm-hmm. but it's a kind of more of a dramatic movie with this sort of magical realism of this per- woman who doesn't age. But it's really well done, and the thing that I love about it is, you can see that this man who's who's ha- has a seemingly normal life, like sort of you know upper middle class guy who's uh, retired and he's married to a beautiful woman and he has a son who's bringing home this date. It sort of upends his life in a way, and it it kind of transcends where you thought the movie could just go because. He's, he looks into Blake Lively, Adeline's eyes, and he just know, he just kind of knows it's her, but he just can't believe it, right? It's like, well, it doesn't make sense. You know, this is my son's date, and that was 30 years ago or whatever, and um, she, had, she had left him, you know, and he even wanted to, like, marry her, and, and she just couldn't be with him anymore because she knew it would, it would be doomed. It was a doomed romance. And, and he has these sequences where he's trying to act normal around his wife in the movie, but he's lost. His eyes are just far away. His thoughts aren't in the present because he's thinking about the past and it's Adeline's fault for showing up out of the blue. And so it's such a cool, um, it's just such a great, great job because he, uh, he has to kind of learn the truth and then they learn, and does, is she going to learn that he knows really what's going on? And then is there going to be a confrontation? And, and it's, you know, and it's also unusual because, I mean, like many of what we've talked about before, more sort of action or kind of, um, you know, sci-fi action type movies. And um, this is just a little bit of a different type of a role for him. And, I, yeah, I thought he did a great job. I It was one of those where I was like thinking, hey, could he finally like win? But then he didn't even get nominated. <laughs> he never does. Right. You know, he's kind right. of like sort of accepted it now. But I thought he could, you know. He deserves a nomination, but came out the same year as The Force Awakens, interestingly, too.
0: Ah. So So you want to know what I remember best about that movie? Um, It was a good movie. It was a good movie. But there's one thing I remember best about it, is they have flashbacks to when Harrison Ford, his character, first dated the Blake Lively character. And the actor who's playing the young Harrison Ford is so spot on. I know. It's just, it's weird. It was so good, huh? It is so weird. They should have found and, someone
1: like that for Indy, huh? For this new well, one. Well, <laughs> yeah, either
0: that or... I remember at the time, they were saying, oh, well, how come they didn't cast that guy to play in Solo? Because mm. he looked like a young on Solo. He really did. Now, yeah. I think it was Alden Ehrenreich is yeah. the actor. I thought he did a fine job. I actually liked Solo more than... Maybe more than I should have. But,
1: I, I like it um, too. Yeah.
0: But uh, no, that's that's what I remember about Age of Adeline is just kind of being stunned at those flashback scenes when there's this this random guy who's clearly not Harrison Ford, but really looks like a young Harrison Ford.
1: Yeah, they, that was that's true. That was really good. I also remember the um, there were little throwaway lines where she'd almost give away herself. One time, she meets a guy and says, "You remind me of a young." I think she says Bing Crosby. And then she has to correct herself and say, "type," Like, like, (laughs) you know, like, cause she knew being Crosby apparently, but she has to say, Oh, well somebody who's similar to him. Right. Yeah.
0: No, that was, that was a fun movie. That was, that was good. I remember that. I, I haven't seen it since the first time I saw it, but that one might be worth checking out again sometime. Yeah. In the meantime, man, this is, so this is a totally unexpected situation because I have several, Movies left on my my top list. I, I basically came up with a top 10.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And what's weird is like, okay, well, so I'll just come out and say it. Since I already took Empire Strikes Back, it feels like kind of a waste to pick the first Star Wars. Mm-hmm. Even though obviously the first Star Wars would be far superior in terms of a favorite movie compared to a lot of these other ones. But I kind of feel obligated to spread things around a little bit, yeah. and I guess that's why I'm gonna take Blade Runner.
2: Oh okay,
0: yeah, yeah speaking of speaking of short haircuts, this is this is when I think that was one of the things that was kind of I at least I remember being unique about Harrison Ford. Yeah I picked the move because of his haircut. everyone is basically what's happening. Um, no, Blade Runner is the, you know, the celebrated, I don't know, you can almost call it a cult hit, I guess. Um, there's a very devoted following for it just because it's, it's visuals and it's style, you know, set in kind of this post-apocalyptic Los Angeles of the future, um, perpetually raining and dark and dank all the time. And, uh, Harrison Ford plays this bounty, well, he's not, he's not a bounty hunter, he's more of kind of like a cop whose job is specifically to hunt down androids.
1: Yeah. He's a replicant and, hunter or something, yeah, right? Yeah.
0: Yeah. And, uh, there was a pretty good sequel from a few years ago, uh, by Denise Villeneuve, who, uh, getting ready for Dune two this year. I, I'm excited to see that. Um, but Blade Runner was 1982, I think. Mm hmm. And, uh, you know, it's a, it's definitely a, a violent R rated sci-fi movie. Um, This one was uh, Ridley Scott. Wasn't it Ridley Scott?
1: Yeah, it was Ridley Scott, based on a Phil K. Dick novel.
0: Yes. Do androids dream of electric sheep, which I read and thought was okay. Mm -hmm. But uh, yeah, so so there's Blade Runner, which I chose over Star Wars for some reason.
1: Well, Blade Runner is considered a a sci-fi classic. I, when I read lists of, like, all-time mm-hmm. greats, that's always up there. And I've just never, I wanted to like it a lot more than I did. I just could not. Uh, it doesn't the, have the much pace, of a plot. I don't know. The tone or the pace of it was too um, too slow for me. But I maybe if I watched it again, just sat down and watched it, and really, like, I could get into it. And I saw the second one, too, the, the one uh, 2049. Um, yeah. Yeah, and we just passed the time that Blade Runner was supposed to happen, which was 2019. Yeah. Um, but the movie is from 82. So okay, I am going to pick. Uh, I yeah, I just I didn't want to like populate this list with a bunch of Indian Star Wars. So I'm just not going to do that. Like I probably should, but I kind of want to highlight some of his range. Maybe that's probably it. I want to highlight his range a little bit more. I know it's so Ford. weird. So I'm going to go ahead and pick uh, What Lies Beneath, which is okay. a horror movie that came out in 2000. And um, and again, this is uh, unusual for him. He, uh, right. it, it's not only a horror movie, which he just doesn't really do. Um, su- and some supernatural horror, I guess you could say. And also, it's he doesn't really play a good guy. In some ways, yeah. Again, I don't, know, I don't know. Spoiler I don't know if right? I should spoil, but yeah, he's a bad guy. <laughs> yeah, he's a bad guy. And it's it's an extremely like scary, chilling, um, pretty dark movie. Uh, mm-hmm. I guess not really gory. I think it's Michelle. 13. Michelle Pfeiffer plays the wife. Plays right? the wife. Yep. Mm-hmm. And uh, it just you just don't see this kind of a turn, and it's and it reminds me of when you see like Tom Hanks in The Road to Perdition where, I mean, he has more redeeming qualities than this guy, but he's not exactly a good guy, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and these are actors that almost always play the good guys that end up trying to something right, different. Right. And for me, it really worked. This was quite a year for Ron Howard because he, he filmed this and Castaway at the same time. In fact, they took a break from filming Castaway so Tom Hanks could completely change his body and did this movie. Yeah. Um, because, you know, Hanks has to live on a deserted island and look like he lost a bunch of weight and all that. Um, which, which part did he do first again? Did he do the skinny part or the... I I think he must have lost weight during that time after filming okay. the first part. But I don't know. I don't remember exactly. Yeah, I just know I mean, that this they took a break and they used the same crew or whatever and did this movie. Um, and, uh, yeah, I, it's one of these that I... Like, if I were to... Because I, I I don't watch a ton of horror movies, but this was an extremely effective one for me. Um, I mean, I remember being in the theater and like jumping at several scenes, you know, and just being completely
0: well. Riveted. I just I just remember rejecting it on principle because I refused to accept the idea that Harrison Ford was a bad guy.
1: Uh huh. <laughs> yep.
0: But no, it was it was a pretty good movie.
1: Yeah. He uh. Anyway, okay, you're on. You get the last pick. Okay, and we definitely so, have some honorable mentions to talk about. Oh but go yeah. Ahead.
0: No, there's there's some more discussion to be had here for sure. Yeah. Uh, especially because I think for my last pick, I am going to choose Patriot Games. Oh, okay. So, uh, if we're talking about kind of the range and well-known characters, um, one we have not brought up yet is the Jack Ryan character from the Tom Clancy novels, mm-hmm. uh, Alec Baldwin played it the first time around in Hunt for Red October. And then two movies featured Harrison Ford as the CIA
1: Clear and President. Yep.
0: Yep. Yeah. Patriot Games was the first one where he's taking on kind of a spin-off group from the IRA, kind of a terrorist group. So he basically what happens is Harrison Ford is uh, lecturing doing doing a special lecture in london and he breaks up an assassination attempt on a member of the royal family and the terrorists responsible for the attempt uh led by sean bean and i think this was the first thing i saw him in uh they want revenge and so they track him back down and and so we get kind of like this I don't know. It's cool. It's a really, really cool. I just Mm -hmm. barely rewatched it like a week or two ago. Oh, okay. And, um, I actually did read the book. I believe it is the only Tom Clancy novel I have read. Um, very, very dense and detailed, uh, but worth, you know, worth a read. Um, yeah. So yeah, between, between clear and present danger and Patriot games, I think I would say that I prefer Patriot games. Um, Maybe his performance a little bit more as well in mm-hmm. that movie, yeah. Uh, but I would I would recommend both strongly, definitely more than Dial of Destiny.
1: <laughs> well, I liked Clear and Prison. I remember I think liking Clear and Prison Danger a little better, but I don't. I, the reason I didn't pick any of those is I don't think I could even begin to tell you the plot. Like it's just been so yeah. many years, yeah. and I probably saw it once. Um, I didn't even see the Affleck or Chris Pine versions. Uh, I mean, Clancy movies, right? But I did see the yeah. Baldwin one
0: um oh hunt for red october yeah,
1: yeah which we talked about That is such uh, a good movie yeah but um yeah wow what an interesting list see i i i kind of thought yeah. that would happen because there was another draft we had where you thought there would be a lot more overlap and i can't remember which one it was but we really didn't i got pretty much all my choices and i even skipped over a new hope just didn't want to clutter it up with star wars i guess um Obviously, most people out there will say I should have just picked that instead of the Force Awakens. I was going to say
0: I, I, that's that's how I would.
1: I know, but you didn't <laughs> pick you didn't say. pick a New Hope either, so maybe we don't love it as much as we thought. Well,
0: because I had already taken Empire Strikes
1: Back, <laughs> which is you know considered the better movie. Interestingly, for as classic as Star Wars is, it's kind of like mm-hmm. the the Godfather arguments you see. Like yeah. there are many critics who put number two above one. Um, well, and like I said. This one I chose specifically because I think
0: Harrison Ford's performance in *Empire Strikes Back* mm-hmm. has more to it, it than does. in the first movie. Yeah, there are some great moments. You know, I mean right. that that Greedo moment, the the moment in the trench run at the end. They're fantastic moments, but but I feel like we really kind of get to know kind of the depths of his character, and I, th- I think that Harrison Ford has more to do in the second movie, and so I yeah, would, and he has that one.
1: He has more. I mean, he's in it more too. I mean, the mm-hmm. first one it takes a good chunk of time before you even get to him, right? Right, and right. this one he's throughout. And then, of course, he has the biggest sort of moment at the end of the movie that you know, kind of a great setup for the beginning of Return of the Jedi. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I guess another well, reason. But
0: my yeah, but my I guess my regret or my the the, the area where I'm second guessing myself is. Uh, you know, I and I made a you know, pretty clear point that I Raiders of the Lost Ark would have been my first choice overall. But with that off the table, I didn't choose any other Indiana yeah. Jones movies. And I was I was really, really thinking about Last Crusade. Like that's if we if we were to go to like a sixth or seventh round, yeah, it, you would have gone I'd there. Take it, I absolutely that's that's one of the next ones I would take. Um because I mean it is a great movie. But just kind of you know, it's kinda of like you said, yeah, you, know, you wanna have range, we don't want to just Right, take turns picking Star Wars and Indiana Jones movies, yeah, and so to kind of get out of that, you wanna you know get out there and and so, yeah, so I wound up not taking last Crusade or any of the Indiana Jones movies at all
1: hmm. yeah, I know well, at least we got a good we got a good cross section though of his career <laughs> i mean we we from all the way from seventy three to i guess yeah twenty fifteen and kind of covered all of his big, his major characters too, you know, Deckard. Even. Yeah. Deckard from Blade yeah. Runner.
0: Well, what I, what I thought was also kind of fun. And you know, if, if we'd gone like a 10 round draft, I think these might've come up, but I mean, he had a brief supporting role in Apocalypse Now. Um, yeah, I he thought had, about that. He had a, <laughs> yeah. He had a supporting role in the conversation. Oh, uh, which is a really good movie. If uh, if you have not seen it, with, uh, yeah, Gene Hackman I've plays seen kind that. of a surveillance expert. Um, Air Force One, I've always kind of th- seen as kind of a Jack Ryan light, kind of a diet Jack right. Ryan movie. Yeah, <laughs> where uh, yeah, he's he's playing the president. Um, regarding Henry, I think kind of comes up. I don't know. I get the sense that people bring it up as a joke sometimes. It's about a character who gets he gets shot. And that and winds up losing his memory.
1: Yeah, that was my number seven. I love that really? movie. Yeah, I had that. No, it's a
0: good movie. I, yeah. I liked it too. I liked it too. I, um,
1: yeah, I had a new... So here's what I did. I don't know why I didn't pick okay. it, but I had A New Hope as my number four. Every other thing I picked was in my exact order as I listed it already. But I okay. just skipped over A New Hope. But then I had Regarding Henry, After What Lies Beneath. But I think uh, if we kept going with this draft and still nobody picked... The first Star Wars movie, I would have done that next. Oh, yeah. And then I think yeah. I would have done Regarding Henry. And then if we were still going, I would have probably done Temple of Doom. Because I mm-hmm. assume you would have taken Last Crusade. Um, yeah. And then I did have Air Force One down down on the list, too. That was a really fun. That's a really cool movie. Because he, he, he plays the president. It's not just like a normal, like generic action guy. Like, he plays right. the U.S. president. But then yeah. he has to turn into an action hero. Uh-huh. Um, so, yeah, it's kind of a fun... Fun one, but so
0: here's here's a fun one.
1: Okay, um,
0: one that is on my so so I already mentioned, you know, New Hope and Last Crusade, those those were on my top ten list. Uh, there is another one on my top ten list that we have not mentioned yet at all, and I'm guessing that most of the people listening to this don't even have never even heard of this one.
1: Can I guess? There's
0: a movie he did in I want to say 1978 1979. Called Force Ten from Navarone.
1: Okay, I don't know um, that one.
0: Which I think is technically supposed to be kind of a sig- uh, kind of a sequel to the, the Guns, Guns of Navarone. Navarone. Yeah, um, but not really. I mean, I think that first movie was Gregory Peck, if I remember right. Um, but Harrison Ford plays the leader of this kind of this uh, secret mission squad that is uh, set during World War II and their their job Uh, like Robert Shaw is in it Mm -hmm. um I want to say like Carl Weathers is in it too I'm I I could be wrong on this I mean maybe I'm confusing it with Predator but anyway um, they are charged with the this secret mission to go and blow up this bridge Um, at least I think it was a bridge I'm pretty sure no no maybe it's a dam Is it a dam? It's been a long time since I've seen this, Mm -hmm. but I remember really liking it, especially because it was cool to see Harrison Ford in another role because, you know, growing up it was Han Solo and Indiana Jones. Yeah. Um, I mean, to this day, I find it remarkable how omnipresent Harrison Ford has been in my, you know, my formative years in terms of popular culture, just because so much of it was, you know, Spielberg and George Lucas, that kind of stuff. Um, And that, that being said, it's also kind of remarkable how, how quickly we get past his best stuff. Mm -hmm. Like, like this seems like it should be more of a Tom Hanks type draft. Or a Spielberg draft where there's just option after option after option after option. Yeah. But really, once you get past that first, you know, because you you chose three that were on that were movies that I wrote down, but I didn't have as my top tens.
1: Oh, okay. Um, Which ones were they?
0: Well, so so I I put down Force Awakens, Age of Adeline, and What Lies Beneath, but they weren't in my top ten. Okay. Um, but they were one. The only other ones that I had as even a remote consideration, but the more I think of it they really weren't in play was like 42 from a couple of years ago. The movie Mm -hmm. about, uh, Jackie Robinson, uh, morning glory was kind of a fun romantic comedy where he plays this newscaster. I think it's him and Diane Keaton.
1: Okay. I didn't Um, see that one.
0: Well, and there are some movies that I, of his, I think are more well known that I just haven't seen like working Working Girl. girl. Yeah. And, um, Mosquito Coast was same one. here. I haven't seen uh, that because I, I think that was where he met River Phoenix, and that's how River Phoenix wound up, uh, at least in part, getting cast in Last Crusade. Oh, okay, because uh, he plays he plays his son. Yeah, and I mean I had I had Clear and Present Danger written down, and you know regarding Henry and Temple of Doom and stuff, and and you know then I put down Star Wars Holiday Special just for that one,
1: movie. just for fun. But yeah. yeah, I mean, but
0: but those the the movies on my secondary list aren't even close i mean it's like well once you get past those those first indiana jones movies those first star wars movies and but you got like blade runner and fugitive and witness the
2: thing
1: the thing about him though i mean on the flip side these are a lot of sturdy passable you know escapist movies not epics not all timers a lot of them but at the same yeah. time, he doesn't have a lot of dogs. He doesn't have a lot of, like, turkeys. You know, like, you when you look at Harrison Ford movies, there's not very many that are just, like, complete garbage. I mean, if we did, mm-hmm. like, let's say a really deep cut Nicolas Cage draft or something, <laughs> think of how many movies that you're just, like, laughably bad. And if my yeah. sister's listening to this, I'm sorry. Like, Nicolas Cage is her favorite actor. But he's done a lot of movies that... Aren't great. Harrison Ford, I don't think you could really say that about him. Well, and that's, you I know? guess
0: that's what, that was one of my takeaways. They're above mediocre, that, better than mediocre. Well, I think, I think that I was surprised to see how limited the pool was for Harrison Ford, not because he's only done a handful of good movies, but because he hasn't done as many movies. He's mm-hmm. just not as prolific. Like he really, cause like you said, it's not like there's this list of, three dozen movies that we would just kind of would laugh off and wouldn't even consider. Right. I mean, even, even the ones that he's not as good in are still, or I, I sorry, even the movies that are not as good, he's still fine in because I don't know. I, he does have a lot of range,
1: mm-hmm. but he, he, I see him. Maybe I'm contradicting. I myself. think he's an underrated actor though. Cause people, do, I, I would, like, I
0: would agree that he's underrated. It, but I do see him as more of kind of a classic movie star actor mm-hmm. who like he plays himself, plays he himself. plays versions of himself most of the time. And like, you're, you're not going to see him doing what Tom Cruise did in what was the movie with Robert Downey Jr. and Ben Stiller. Tropic
1: Thunder. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
0: You're not going to, you're he, not going to see any weird cameos. He's not going like to disappear in
1: into like a, 10 pounds of makeup or whatever. Right, yeah.
0: Right. And, and so I think that that, I don't know that, that just seems because you think about the, the stars left who are real, just bona fide classic movie stars mm-hmm. and you got Tom Cruise and you got, you know, Tom Hanks and Harrison Ford, you know, yeah. Julia Roberts. I mean, I guess Denzel you could kind of. I mean, Denzel, yeah. Denzel Washington. Um, but I mean, compared to those to those other actors, Harrison Ford's his his list just doesn't. It's just not as long. You're I just right. don't think he works as often. Well, yeah, and, and that's, you know, it. I mean, that's I don't even necessarily think that's a criticism. It's yeah, just there just, just aren't the as fact. many
1: movies to pick from. Yeah, the, the the ones you just named, other than maybe Julia Roberts, at least for me. But if you look at their Total filmography, filmography. Harrison Ford's is a little bit lighter, and and mm. it's fine because I mean, think about it. When you got Han Solo and Indiana Jones, that could be your career, and you're doing great, you know. Oh yeah. But yeah, yeah. Um, I would say I we probably should no, wrap I'd, this up. I'd, I'd be but pretty happy with it. <laughs> yeah, but I would say if, if we were to look at our list of like all time great movies, I mean, our first two picks are right there, like Raiders mm-hmm. of the Lost Ark and Empire Strikes Back you're looking at Harrison Ford among like the classics those are yeah. two and then maybe a little bit farther down you know Blade Runner although not for me but I understand that that's one that is beloved and then of course one that we didn't even pick which was episode four um, yeah the Star Wars one but yeah and I guess you know I, I keep American Graffiti I'm gonna have to revisit that one that's another one I've only seen once so you know to see that we one can't again. we can't bring this stuff up well, but I don't have time to, make to watch actual I know. I just I, there are seriously like 100 movies I want to see. Like I could I could name I could probably name 20 Mark, movies you sound I a little see defensive right now and in the next minute and I'm probably not going to see any of them in the next month. Like seriously, that's just the reality of it. <laughs>
0: oh, that's too funny. That's yeah. too funny we We do need to make a list though because one one way or the other we need to check some of these boxes. I think I think that they would make for some very engaging episode discussions through that of the Utah film pod and hopefully you have found this episode engaging. I think it was pretty pretty dynamic talking about the fifth and probably last Indiana Jones movie drafting Harrison Ford movies that's uh that kind of opportunity doesn't come up very often.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: so thank you as always. Be sure to leave us a like, a comment, a follow, whatever options are there. And in the meantime, we will be coming back soon with, oh, you know what? MI7?
1: Seven? Yeah. Okay. Is it, is it the seventh one? Well, MI7 I, I Part 1, yeah.
0: That's right. 7.1. Uh, 7.1. Well, right. So, uh, Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part 1, I think is the... Mm-hmm. But whatever it is, I'm pretty sure we'll be talking about it with the next episode. So until then, have a good one.